0: Well, this is our um, probably good old, good old Will and the Spirit last uh, sermon from Romans 8:26 to 30. We've been on this for quite a while, so we've been, uh, I think, trying to understand this 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 golden chain a little bit better, and um, we come to this last part of it uh, that uh, those he justified he glorified. And as as we as we get started, I want you to, to do something with me. Uh, years ago, I was I was asked to be a, a deacon at a church, and uh, they would have a, a, a kind of examination period, and so some of the guys were, were, were kind of playing tricks uh, on us, you know, the three of us, and they told us, they said, you know, the one thing that you have to be able to do is you have to define uh, justification, sanctification, and glorification. That was, and so they, they, you know, they told us, they were going to ask us about this. Well, they didn't, but they, they told us they would. And so, of course, in preparation for that, I went out and, and I did that. I defined, you know, got ready to define that. And to be honest, with you, I still kind of remember what I, what I wrote down. And, and so I want you, to, if you were to ask, be asked this morning to define justification, the three parts of salvation, justification, sanctification, and glorification. How would you do that? And, and more particularly, hopefully, how would you have done it before we had to study of Romans? Because hopefully it's, it's changed after we've gone through this, but uh, it, I did this yesterday with, with uh, Bill, and it's sort of funny thinking back on what I said then, and even what he said yesterday. It was it was there were a lot of similarities, um, because to be honest with you, when I define justification and sanctification, I felt I always felt pretty good about those two, and I really thought about it, but but it but my glorification. I really couldn't do it without using the word glorify, you know. And that's that's always a, a problem. When anytime you define a word by using the word, that's kind of a a, a a pretty good indication that you really struggle with what this means. You know, I, I didn't. Have, I wouldn't have any problem defining justification in God declaring us righteous and just. Well, the study of Romans sort of somewhat changed that now for me. It's still God declaring me just, but but now I understand. A little bit better that it is God's free gift of His decoration of our of who of who we are, um, sanctification that that being sanctified that being the process of being set apart um, from our sins. Well, that was you know so that was sanctification. I understood that, but for me, glorification was always just the process of being glorified, or basically getting to heaven. And I really couldn't do a whole lot more with it than that. Um I think, like I said, if I, if I had to do it now, it would be different. And I hope for you, after we, we finish the study, that, that it has, has been changed and, and is somewhat different. That, As I said, that we understand now that justification is this free gift of God. And uh, from Romans 3.22. And we understand that sanctification is being transformed into the image of Christ. By beholding him or by by seeing him 2 Corinthians 3 um, but glorification not yet but it's my prayer that today we'll have a better definition of glorification what does that mean for us and and uh what, what is that how, how do we see that so let's go back and, and let's read this passage one time romans 8 26 to 30 romans 8 26 to 30 as we finish up for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. As I said, we spent a lot of time here on this passage. Uh, we've spent several weeks looking at this and and taking it apart, and understanding, and and and, and even particularly this this uh, golden chain, and we have seen how God helps us in our weakness. And, and our weakness, first and foremost, as we said, is not about knowing what to ask for. Well, it is, but but not about should I pray for 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 this person or that person. But our greatest weakness is is our our our, our inability, our weakness to hold on to God and to hold on to grace. That's our, that's our greatest weakness. We've seen how God helps us in a weakness. That, that we're very likely to fall away from God and to fall away from grace, which is the same thing. And we do that either by falling into legalism or falling into license. But either one of those two are, are equally as bad. And as uh, I recently learned, they're basically, they're twins. It's the same thing. It's not understanding grace. And and and, and one is no better or worse than the other. We have a tendency to, to, to look down on one more than the other, but they're both equally horrible. And, but that's our weakness. Our weakness is to fall into either legalism or to fall into license. And, and, and that's we have this great weakness in us. And it's God who helps us and holds us and keeps us from this. So Paul says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what to pray for as we ought. And, and, and the ideal is that our, that we don't know what our hearts need, but the Holy Spirit knows, and He intercedes for us. See, if it was up, if it was up to me, I would only pray for comfort and peace. I would always pray for healing for me even though God might know I need sickness. And God might know I need tribulation and trials. But I would always pray for everything to go well. You know, I, I, I've i never, I don't think I've ever actually verbally come out and said, God, I really need a sickness today. Never done that yet. I, I, you know, and, and when I start feeling bad, I don't say, God, I just hope it's really, really bad because I need that. I kind of go the opposite way. I'm saying, God, heal me right now, please. I don't know what I need, though. But the Holy Spirit does, and he's praying, he's interceding interceding for the things that I need, for the trials and troubles that I need. And so he intercedes. And God brings those things into my life that are good for me. That will lead me to himself. And even though I wouldn't have wanted it, I want him. So I guess when I'm asking for him, I'm asking for those things. And, and, and we see all this, and God does all this because of the golden chain. That's the reason he said, four. Four. The reason he did this was because of the golden chain. and He starts out with, For, he foreknew me, he had an intimate, personal relationship with me before the foundation of the world. Before I was even born, before I even thought about it, he had an intimate, personal relationship with me. We we, we were together, and he loved me, and he knew me. So before the foundation of the world, he he foreknew me. And, and and this was this is the foundation. This is the very bedrock of this golden chain. And then he predestined me to be conformed to the image of his son. That this is the picture of predestination. It's not about predestined to heaven. It's about predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And as we talked about this, we do this by beholding him, by seeing him, by seeing Christ. We are transformed. From one degree of glory to another, as Paul wrote to, to uh, uh, in Corinthians, in First Corinthians, it is by beholding Him, and we gave the we gave the analogy. It's almost like we're, we're we see this pit, this portrait, and we we love it, and we see that and we see this portrait before. And we're just straining to see it. And, and everything that gets in the way, we're trying to move it out. And as God reveals those sins in my life, I, I'm pushing them out of my way because I just want to see this better and better. And because he, 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 he predestined me to be conformed to the image of his son, he called me. And we said there's so much soul misunderstood today. That we, we, we've so much in so many ways we, we've we've lost this ideal. He didn't call me to heaven. He didn't call me to eternal life. He didn't call me to have my sins forgiven. These are all the benefits of knowing Christ. This isn't Christ. He called me to see His Son, to behold Jesus Christ, and to love Him. Second Corinthians four three through six. And even for our gospel is veiled. It is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, with ourselves as your bondservant, for, Christ, for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. In the face of Jesus Christ. And I said, you know, a lot of times anymore, it, it, I feel like that we've kind of we kind of have perverted the gospel call and we kind of do a bait and switch. We say, all right, do you do, do you want do you want eternal life? Do you want to live forever? Do you want to be in heaven for, forever? But you gotta have Christ. We've set this up as the as the, the candy for the good things, but you know, but but, but Christ is, is is the hook. No. It's about Christ. It's about Him. We're to invite invite people to Jesus Christ, to know Him, to have a relationship with Him, to see Him in all of His glory. We said, for those He predestined, He justified, or for those He called, He justified. And we said, God's words are not descriptive, they're creative. God's not describing us as righteous, he is creating or recreating us as just or righteous. That 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 when he declares us justified, when he declares us righteous, he's not saying, oh, look at your life and you're a really a righteous guy. You're really great. No. That's not it at all. When God looks at us and declares us righteous, he creates that in us. And it's a gift. And his gift to us. And finally, Finally, he glorifies us. Finally, he we are glorified. For those whom he justified, he also glorified. And we said, yes, all this is past tense. All these are past tense. Not because they are, are completed, but because in God's economy, in God's eyes, they are completed, they're done. They're finished. They were finished for the foundation of the world. They're finished from that very foreknowledge of God. And even though, for me, I've yet experienced it, it was completed in Jesus Christ. and am waiting on seeing the completion. So glorified. What does that mean? Well, it turns out this is a very difficult word to define in every language. If I ask you what it means to be glorified, how would you do it? How would you define glorified? How would you define, even in our language, even today? That was glorious. You hear it at times what does that mean when you look back at the at the 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 I spent a lot of time reading this kettle about this because kettle had to go back and he really tra- traced the word for this and one of the first things he said talking about the difficulty of this word and how it changed over time the word started out or in both Greek and Hebrew with the, with the ideal of to think of or to think highly of to to, to the word was to glorify was to think about, to esteem, or to honor. When we glorify God, we esteem Him highly. We value Him. When we talk about, we, we, are, we glorify God when were, we, we, we are looking upon Him, we think about Him highly. Piper says, we are, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied, when we see Him as our greatest satisfaction. When we esteem him as that, where he is glorified in us. Later on, the usage of the word it took on the word, word "light" or "shining," um, but it's certainly something more than just a shining light. This this bright light that 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 we have, we certainly have this kind of glory of God that fills the temple like a cloud, or or the glory of God that's or the light on Mount Sinai. But there's something more to this word. There's 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 a weight to this word. When Moses asked to see God's glory, he was asking more than just seeing a bright light. He had seen this often. He had lived in it for forty days. He was asking to see God's greatness. He was asking to see God's most honorable work. When he said, "God, let me see your glory," he said, "Let me see what. what let me see your greatest." greatest work. Let me see what, what is what is your highest thing that you've done so I can see that and I can esteem that and I can give honor to it. And we know that he was asking to see the life of Christ. Hebrews one three says that Christ, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power after making purification of sin. He sat down at the right hand of the man on high. That Christ is the radiance of God's glory. That Christ, that his life, what Jesus Christ did, God came to the earth to the son, lived sinless, walked on this earth, and died and, and, and paid for our sins. That was God's most glorious work. This is my glory, God would say. Of course, all this talking about God. But what does that have to do with us? What does it mean that we are glorified? We find out that not only are we glorified, we are to seek glory from God. We are to seek glory from God. We have Jesus in John 5, 44. Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees for not seeking God's glory. Jesus said, how can you believe, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek glory the glory that comes from the only God. You you should be seeking God's glory. You should be seeking God's glory, not, not from other people. Does this mean that God is to honor us? That God is to esteem us highly? Maybe some would say yes, but only in Christ, certainly. But is it Christ who is honored or us? And I would say Christ. To be honest with you, I really struggle with this aspect of receiving glory from God. This is this was, this was a hard study this week. Because to me, there's something wrong with the idea that God glorifies me. I'll be just flat out, just thought, man, what does that mean? I mean, I, I, I believe it in Scripture. God, God said it. But what does that actually mean, that he did this? Because, I mean, I look at this and I say, well, he called me. This is his work he did. To me. He justified me. This is his work he did to me. But him to glorify me? Uh, this this was this was a difficult concept for me. Um because when I you know when I think of glorification, I immediately think of Jesus in a high priestly prayer, John 17, 4 and 5. And our glorification is different. From the glorification that Jesus sought, Jesus sought glorification from God. But, but Earth is much; it has to be different from this. Jesus said in John 17:4 and 5, "I glorified you on Earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. But now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the before the world existed." Jesus is saying, "God, return to me that place of honor, that place of esteem." That I had before the world existed. But before God, we don't have a place of honor or esteem. And that said, I really struggled with this. But I believe I got a huge hint in Kettle's Theological Dictionary as I was reading about it this week. In Kettle, it spoke about the Hebrew word that came to be used for glory, and that, that was in there in connection with Moses' face. He said, Moses' face shone with the glory of God. And we know the story, but I'd like to look back at it for just a minute. Look at Exodus 24. Exodus 24, starting at verse 15. We know this is, this is Moses, and, and he's going up to get the law. Exodus 24, 15. Then Moses went up on the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fow- fire on the top of the mountain in the in the sight of the people of Israel. And Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. And I, again, this is one of the reasons why I really struggle with the most common interpretation uh, in, at Moses, the cleft of the rock, not being able to see God's glory. Because he actually he walked into and he entered into God's glory here. He was there in it. And we know that that when he came out, if we flip on to chapter 34, when he came out, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, with two tablets of testimony in, in, in chapter 34, verse 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with two tablets of testimony in his hand, and he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone. That's that word that we're talking about. It, it, the, the, later on, it would become, we would translate it, his face gloried. It shone, it gloried because he had been talking with God. Aaron and the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. It's the same kind of fear they had from going with God. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with him, and afterward the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Of course, when Moses finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face and as we we've talked about this and study before, the veil was not to cover God's glory. the veil was there to hide it as it faded, so it would it it, it would fade we find out, and of course you know it, it's sort of important as Rick would remind us often in scripture how scripture the old testament is it, not separate from the New testament. That is God uses the New Testament to help us, the, Old Testament, the New Testament helps understand the Old Testament. Now they fit together, and this is a picture. We find out that just as great, just as great as this was, the glory from Christ is even greater. it's even, it's even brighter. It's even more glorious than this. And we know that because in Second Timothy, 2 Corinthians, chapter three, Paul teaches on this, and starting at verse seven. Now, if the ministry of death, carved in letters of stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its Moses' glory or, or God's glory in Moses' face, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? Would that not what God's doing? Would that not have even more glory through Christ? Indeed, if this in in this case, what once had glory had come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. He said it didn't it didn't, it didn't fade because it wasn't glorious. It faded because what's coming is so much more glorious, and that's Jesus Christ. Skip on down to verse 18. Now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is spirit. See it's by beholding him by seeing him and and not through a window darkly but face to face as 1 Corinthians 13 12 says by seeing him we are being transformed, not just here, but whenever we get there and see Him face to face, we are glorified. Not with our glory. Not look at it and say, man, look what you did, you did a great job. Man, I'm really going to esteem your height. No, we're glorified in it. We reflect God's glory. This is our glory. This, 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 is, this is what we're looking forward to. Will glorify, but not with our glory, but with His. See, this, this will be our greatest honor. This is what we look forward to. This is our greatest work. This is what we will be esteemed for above all others is looking face to face into Christ, beholding Him. See, it's by beholding Him we're being transferred, transformed from one degree of glory to another. And it will be by beholding Him for all eternity that we will be continually glorified from one degree of glory to another. So what for us as believers, how important is it to you to behold Christ? To see him. Does that? How, how, how does that affect your life? To think about just seeing him and beholding him. See, because we can go, we can do all these religious duties, and we can we can act very very religious without ever seeing him, without ever that that becoming the goal. That that becoming what what we're what we're striving for. What I just want to see Him better. You know, I do. I, how much time do I spend the Word? Just let me see Christ in this, not well, just reading for the for the for the reading because I should be reading. But I just, I just want to see Him. Is this the desire of your heart? Is this the motivation that that leads you to His Word? Let me see Him. Did you come here this morning and said, "Man, I, I just I just hope that somebody will say something and somebody will do something, and I just see him better this morning." Was that was that was that your thoughts this morning when you got up, got ready for church? I just, I just want to see, I just want to see, I don't want a better vision of Christ this morning. Oh, how I'd love to see him better—a new, a new, a better picture, a more, a more complete picture of Christ. I just want to behold him this morning. That, that, was, that was your whole motivation when you got up to said, man, God, just just let me see you. Is that your prayer, your daily prayer? God, let me just see you. Let me see you in the midst of my trials. Better. Let me see you in the midst of my joys. Better. Let me see you in the midst of, of everything going on at my work. Better. Let me see you in your word. Better. Let me see you in my relationship with others. Better may, may I just see you. So that's 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 what I want more than anything else. That's our greatest work. That's our greatest passion is to see you, to see Christ, to behold him. And this is, this is the sanctification. So I hope now. If you think about that, you can say, "What is glorification? It's the process of reflecting God's glory, of, 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 of having, of standing face to face with God, and, and shining not with not with your glory, but with His, because you have been in His presence." This is Moses.